Welcome to Australian Hiker. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. episode 14 of the Australian Hiker podcast. Today's episode is the second of our episodes on photography on the trail and today we'll be looking at small pieces of equipment that can make a big improvement to your photography. The second segment of today's show will be a review of the PowerMonkey Explorer 2 battery charger to maintain power on the trail. We hope you enjoy. In our first session, we're going to be looking at equipment basics to help improve your photography. And this is just an extension of our previous episode where we talked about basic photography tips for improving photography on the trail. Now, for most of us, we'll often spend months, uh, weeks or months, uh, choosing a camera uh, that we're going to take hiking. In the case of camera equipment, it's often the most expensive or one of the most expensive pieces of equipment or kit that you're likely to be carrying. And as an example for me, the only piece of equipment that I carry that is more expensive than my camera kit is my Big Agnes Copper Spur UL2 tent. And for me, the camera is still cheaper than my sleeping bag. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... It's again, it's one of those sort of things where we spend a lot of time choosing the camera, but don't necessarily follow up with the backup equipment that will also assist us in taking photos. Probably one way to look at this is buying a sports car and putting retread tyres on it. You just don't get the best performance. So we're going to look at three camera accessories that are going to help you with your photography on the trail. The first one is the camera bag. The second is camera memory. And the third is camera power or a backup battery source of some type. So the bag thing is really an interesting thing. When you buy um, a camera, there's always um, a whole range of um, bags that you can buy in the camera store. And, um, you know, I I guess sometimes people go without and sometimes they get the standard kind of uh, camera bag. Uh, going without is something I wouldn't necessarily uh, recommend. Um, you know, you can knock your camera in all sorts of different ways. Um, but even some of the standard camera bags, they're not really well suited to um, hiking. Uh, they're often quite uh, bulky. And to be honest, uh, when I'm going to a, a family gathering and we take uh, the Nikon and we've got the standard camera camera bag I even find that a little bit uh, over overkill um, until I put all my personal belongings in it and use it as a handbag instead of just a camera bag so when you think about that you, you also need to be thinking about well that's probably not ideal for the 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 hiker so you need something that you know either uh complements what you're trying to do with your camera so 
often Tim carries the camera in his pocket so he won't want something that's uh, bulky and won't won't something won't want something that sits um, heavily on his pack. But sometimes you actually need some protection for your camera, um, and often that is water protection uh, from the camera. So, in the case of uh, crossing a stream, or um, you know, uh, might be walking on a, a precarious part of the track you do want some protection so having a good um, bag of some kind that you can put your camera in is important and if it's near water having it in a waterproof bag is one thing uh, but then we'd also suggest that you put it inside a waterproof bag within your pack um, as well you're not likely to intentionally uh, go for a swim with your camera um, but unintentionally that can sometimes happen and we heard a story recently where uh, there was a very long and expensive experience that somebody had where they they were carrying someone else's camera they just happened to uh, inadvertently drop it into the water and uh, they went back couldn't retrieve it went back purchased a new camera and lost a few days and had to um, give the camera to their fellow hiker but uh, not only did the fellow hiker lose the images that 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 they'd already taken um, they lost a few days uh, without a camera. Now the other thing with cameras as well is for many of us um, we tend not to think too much about it Uh, as, as Jill said I carry my compact camera, my Sony compact camera in my pocket. Uh, it fits quite comfortably. means I can get it out quite quickly and easily in case I need to take a photo. Uh, but uh, we're just about to head to Tasmania in the next couple of weeks. Um, the forecast is for quite a lot of rain. Uh, and if that's the situation, it may the camera may still sit within my pocket. Uh, and I'll have uh, waterproof rain pants on as well, which will provide that protection. But if there's any chance of we're going to be crossing creeks or rivers or um, you know it's starting to get really muddy where we're likely to slip or fall, it'll go into its own little dry bag. Uh, and for the sake of 5 10 15 20 or even 30 or $40 for a small dry bag that's going to pre- prevent damage to a camera in all but going for a swim with your camera, um, it's definitely worth those few dollars in relation to the expense of the camera itself. Uh, and yeah, as I said, people often tend to think about, well, I just bought this really good camera, it's going to take good photos, but you've got to think about the equipment that goes with it, uh, that, as I said, is not always that expensive, but can make a big difference. Now, the next thing we're going to go through and look at is memory cards, and this is definitely not a sexy sort of topic. Memory cards is that tiny little bit of plastic and metal that stores your photos. Now, for me, as I said, I, uh, I've always used Nikon SLR cameras or I've got a little Sony Compact Mark I RX100 camera and they both take SD memory cards. There are other types of memory cards on the market, Compact Flash being the other main one, and there's a few other different types as well. But for me, the SD memory cards, they're often something that people recognise quite quickly and easily. Uh, a typical memory card will weigh 0.4 of a gram. I must admit, when I weighed this last night to try and 
uh, write this article. Um, it, I couldn't even get the scale to register because it was below a, uh, a one gram in weight. I had to go online, look at the company and see how much they weighed. So it's pretty minimal. Now, memory cards, are one of those sort of things, as I said, people often don't give much thought to, but will have often have a major impact. And I'll give you an example of our Larapinta trail trip last year. New camera. Um, I'd been used to using SLRs beforehand. And when I take my SLR on a, an extended two-week sort of trip, I'll take three memory cards and I'll take three batteries because I won't be able to get backup power source or uh, take, uh, find extra or buy extra memory cards if I need them. Now, for me, the reason for three memory cards um, I normally use 16 gigabyte memory cards, which I'll talk about in a moment. Um, and the reason for that is that I will often take on a two-week trip around about 13 to 1600 images. Um, now, in the days of film, you generally didn't do that unless you're a professional photographer, because the cost of film and the cost of processing, unless you were doing your own processing, was quite expensive. I think also carrying that much... Um, film around was probably pretty bulky as well. You probably wouldn't have done that unless you were a pretty serious photographer, I would have thought. The other thing with the film as well, particularly the um, the slow shutter feed speed sort of film, often required uh, to be kept cool, uh, otherwise it didn't last particularly well. So it was it was certainly the, the days of digital cameras have made things much easier. If I do take sort of that 13 to 1600 range of shots, it does mean that I can get quite a good few good images. I can snap very quick shots if I see a bit of wildlife or if I'm trying to take photos of lightning uh, and then I'm not having to line things up and wait for the exact perfect photo. Um, but I tend to think about what I'm taking shots of anyway. Now in Lara Pinter last year, new camera, I only took two memory cards. So for a 16 gigabyte memory card with um, approximately set on 20 megabyte of size, that will um, that will take around about 32 gigabyte uh, uh, 32 gigabytes, which for me would mean two cards. I did take two cards on that trip, and I forgot two things with this new camera. I'd set it up to take raw images, uh, and raw images are very good for doing photo manipulation at the end of a uh, a, a trip, uh, but they do take up a lot more space. The second thing that I didn't think about was that my new camera also took panorama shots. So in, in panning around to get a panorama shot, it's taking five, six, seven images to get that wide image. And rather than me thinking of being, about it as being one, uh, five or six images, I thought about it as being one. So I was a bit disconcerted to find after five days, I'd already used a full memory card. I still had uh, seven days, or eight, oh, sorry, it was actually nine days to go uh, on the trip, and I only had one card left. So for the remainder of the trip, I had to be really conscious about which images I took, uh, and as well as uh, how many I took. So I didn't get as many good photos as I normally would have had a trip. Now, memory cards, SD memory cards, come in varying sizes. If you're really enthusiastic and your camera is good enough, um, it, you can actually buy 512 gigabyte memory cards. Uh, now, that's a bit of overkill. That would, take, that would last me five years of my photographic use. 
they're a very expensive sort of cards, and as I said, not all cameras can cope with them. Um, as I said, I prefer to use a 16 gigabyte memory card for a couple of reasons. If the camera gets stolen or lost, um, you're only losing probably five to six or seven days worth of images, not the whole trip. If the, if the memory card fails, again, you're not losing the entire trip. Now, having said that, I have never had a memory card fail in the seven years that I've been using SD memory cards. But it's just paranoia about potential technology or, as I said, you can get the camera stolen or you could actually lose something if you're not careful. Now, memory cards come in, apart from in different sizes, also come in different qualities. And you'll find when you buy a memory card, apart from the gigabyte size, you'll also find they have a class attached to them as well. Class 2 memory cards will record an image at around about 2 megabytes per second. A Class 10 memory card will record an image at around about 10 megabytes per second. So if you've got a camera that shoots 10 frames per second, putting a Class 2 memory card, you're not going to be able to get the full capacity or the full shooting capability out of that camera. But for many of us, we tend not to do that, so it's probably a bit of overkill. For me, I do tend to buy Class 10 cards. Um, I just bought three new cards for our upcoming Tasmanian trip at about $30 a card. Uh, and they, uh, they will download or upload, sorry, download at around about 90 megabytes per second. Uh, so it means they're a fairly fast sort of card. Uh, and that'll do everything I need to. The faster cards in particular are very much more suited to, to uh, uh, taking video. So if you're the sort of person that uses cameras to do, shoot video as well, that's when the better quality cards tend to be the better choice. I do sometimes wonder, Tim, why you need so much tech for your photography when most of the time all you see is the back of my head. <laughs> I... Uh, this is one of the issues with photography. I'm, I'm the keen photographer in the family. I have a lot of photos of Jill. I have a lot of photos of the back of Jill's head. I don't have too many photos of me. So if I could get the camera off, Tim, I might be a keen photographer as well. Now, what I'd suggest with memory cards, when you go to go through and buy your camera, talk to the person that's selling you the camera. And this is where the professional camera shops tend to be the best choice to, uh, to make your purchase. Explain to them the type of photography you're doing. Uh, so in my case, I'm using a compact uh, digital camera, but I also use the memory cards in my SLR Nikons. So I tend to go for a higher grade camera memory card than I normally would. And the camera people, the uh, salespeople at camera stores will be able to help you with that purchase. But one of those sort of things, don't just buy the cheapest memory card you can buy buy the cheapest memory card that will suit your needs. Now, the next thing we're going to go through and just talk about for, from a camera perspective is power. Now, as I mentioned, I'm carrying a Sony RX100 these days on my trips. Now, as a camera is concerned, the figures that are provided from the camera manufacturer, the camera is rated at 330 shots per full battery charge. Now, they use an industry standard to measure this, and that includes taking 50% of the images using the flash. I don't use the flash on the camera. I prefer to take, the, take shots without a flash. I often find that taking photos with flash, uh, it's 
to me, it just provides an artificial sort of image. You get that reflection. Um, it just doesn't tend to look as good. So I'll prefer to actually not use the flash where I can. And that sometimes means that I'll either use a tripod or I'll sit the camera on a rock and use the, uh, the timer function to take the images. Now, as a result of me not using the flash, I'm able to get approximately 600 shots on a full charge. So on a two-week trip where I take, as I said, around about 1,600 images, it means I'm going to have to charge the camera before I start my trip, one full time through the trip as well, which will take me to about 1,200 shots, and I'm going to have to at least half charge the battery to finish off the trip, depending on how many images I've actually taken. I might get close on two charges, but typically it's going to be three. Now my choices in this sort of situation is do I actually take a second battery? And second camera batteries can often be expensive depending on the type of camera you buy. Or the other alternative, in fact, this is the alternative that I take up, is to go through and get a backup power source. And in this sort of situation, the power source that I tend to use is the PowerMonkey Explorer 2. Now, in earlier episodes, I indicated that I'm trying to head to becoming an ultralight hiker. And that means basically trying to minimize the amount of weight that I'm going to carry. Now, choosing the PowerMonkey Explorer 2 mobile recharger is probably not the thing to do from a, an ultralight perspective. <laughs> um, this is probably the best way to describe this is a solid bit of or solid block of weight. Um, the actual unit only weighs 260 grams, so it's not particularly heavy. But I went on to the website, I looked on the Apple Store about what they sell, and there was one that was the same capacity, and it was 160 grams. So it was approximately around about 75% lighter than the PowerMonkey Explorer 2. But for me, I'm quite willing to wear that weight penalty for a number of reasons. If you go on to um, the PowerMonkey Explorer 2 site and have a look at the actual specifications, they, have, they often show an, an image of a four-wheel drive driving over the top of the Explorer 2. <laughs> uh, and that's, that's, the, uh, that's basically the selling point of this unit. It is pretty much bulletproof. That's my, the comment I was going to make was it's dense. It's very dense. <laughs> Um, apart from being very robust, so if you drop it or tread on it, it doesn't care. Uh, whereas, again, the cheaper lighting units, if you tread on them, they've had it. Um, but the other selling point for the, uh, the Explorer 2 is it's also waterproof to one metre for around about 30 minutes. So if you drop it in a creek and it takes you 10 or 15 minutes to find it, the actual unit will be quite safe, providing you haven't unscrewed all the, the cap and, and pulled it apart just as you've dropped it. Um, now, the reason for my decision in going through and choosing the PowerMonkey is, uh, or, or choosing a battery backup as opposed to a second battery is, um, Jill and I, uh, I tend to use the Petzl E-Light as my main, um, main battery, uh, my main headlamp. Um, but for Jill, we often use the, um, the, the, black, uh, the Black Diamond Revolt, which is a rechargeable headlamp. Uh, and having a, a battery backup, you can actually use normal batteries and swap them through. 
But if you're going to have to start carrying lots of batteries, you may as well charge a carry a recharger. Um, I also wear a Fitbit Surge, which needs recharging approximately every three to four days, uh, if I'm being fairly active with it. Uh, my camera, my Sony RX100, the battery is rechargeable, so I can recharge that. Uh, and I carry an iPhone 6, uh, and that's also... Uh, I can charge uh, the iPhone from uh, from the battery as well. And the figures they give is you can charge a an iPhone 6 or an iPhone 5, they actually quote, from dead flat to full charge three times. Now, I don't tend to wander around with my camera on permanent, sorry, my phone on permanently. I'll put it on when I want to check messages at the end of the day or if I'm at a high point where I tend to think I'm going to get a signal. So it's pretty rare. Over a two-week sort of trip, I might recharge my phone maybe once if I'm lucky, and that's normally not down from dead uh, dead flat. Um, so I know on our Larapinta trail trip, we both carried a Power Monkey each, Explorer two each. Uh, we ended up using one for our two iPhones, Jill's head torch, uh, our two Fitbit surges, uh, and uh, and the camera. And that lasted us for two weeks quite comfortably. And the other, the other power monkey was used to recharge um, a hiking companion's uh, camera. <laughs> so, again, you know, one charger between two for a two-week trip is pretty good. Um, I do also carry a digital recorder for doing podcasts, uh, and that's one thing where I don't tend to worry about recharging. Uh, it actually has a 16-hour battery life on a, on a good set of batteries, uh, and that's more than enough for a two-week trip for podcasting. And if anything, I'm recording maybe two or three hours at most, so I don't have to worry about recharging on that one. Now, obviously, I've just gone through and mentioned that one of the issues with the Power Monkey is the weight. That's probably the real negative. Uh, the positives, as I said, bulletproof and robust. And in fact, the uh, the website for this unit actually go through, goes through and identifies that this was the official power source or power product of the Red Bull uh, X-Alps 2015, which is, was considered the toughest or is the toughest adventure race in the world. So again, it's a very bulletproof little unit that lasts quite well. The unit itself will give, give you roughly about 99 minutes of charge, and you'll find when it's fully charged, it'll show 99 minutes on the screen. The screen is quite easy to read. It's an LCD screen, so when you turn it on at night time, it lights up, uh, so you don't have to worry about putting a torch on to see what you're doing. Um, as you're charging a particular item, you'll see that the uh, the numbers count down, and the, the actual backlight won't stay on, so if you're charging something, you might have to sort of press it every 10 or 15 minutes to see how it's going. Um, but it, it, it will, as I said, uh, for us it lasted around about two weeks and was quite good. Um, you, if you do have an iPhone, you'll either need to take a lightning cable with you or you'll have to get a lightning adapter to fit on a mini USB port. And for me, I just tend to take a lightning cable. I've got them. Uh, it's easy. Uh, it means if I'm charging, um, if I am going to a hotel at the end of the trip or the start of the trip, it means I've got, uh, I can be charging the phone off one unit um, off the PowerPoint and also charging other things off the little battery pack as well. Charging the uh, Explorer 2 will take around about two to two and a half hours. Uh, and in fact, I've got uh, one now, or this, our second one now, just charging on a, a PowerPoint just ready for the trip for, for next week. 
The casing of this unit is made from a lightweight ridged adenized uh, metal cylinder um, and basically there is a, an adapter you can get for those if you're a keen cyclist to actually attach it to the bike frame which means you can either charge your phone as you're cycling or charge um, uh, any um, GPS units that have rechargeable batteries. Basically it comes with a variety of cables which means you can pretty, part, pretty much charge all handheld devices with the exception of a uh, uh, an iPhone, as I said, you do need the adapter. So as I said, while it's not the most lightweight unit, it is very robust, will take a lot of abuse, uh, and for the sake of an extra 100 grams in weight, as I said, even as, even as someone trying to go ultralight, I'm happy to wear the additional weight. At the time of this podcast, the cheapest online price that I could find for this unit was $110. Uh, so, and quite often you'll often pick up sales on these, so... I know when we bought ours uh, last year, we both got two of them for $99 each. So the prices really haven't gone up in around about a 12-month period. They will actually work with solar chargers. So if you're into solar, using solar chargers and the weather conditions are suitable for that, you can actually charge up the Power Monkey during the daytime. Uh, and then at nighttime, you can be charging your, your units or your things like your phones and your torches. Okay, that's all for today's episode. In two weeks' time, our regular next regular episode is going to be on solo hiking. However, next week is our bonus episode for February 2017, and that's going to be a series of recordings on the Canberra Centennial Trail on a recent trip that I went through and just did as a solo hike. And there's nothing like doing a solo hike uh, in a, a heat wave uh, and... That'll be an interesting one because it certainly was much more demanding, I think, on Tim than perhaps um, either of us had realised it would be. Okay, that's all for today's episode. Just remember that you can download this episode from our website, from SoundCloud, from iTunes and from Stitcher Radio. Um, and if we can ask you to, if you like these episodes, please rate us on Stitcher and iTunes just to help us get the message out there. That's all for now. Bye from me. And from me.